Shalom Aleichem. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out in the cold and the rain. Very much appreciated. And as we know, the harder it is to come and be mechazek each other and learn the Hele Gatayra, so the more schai you get for it. So, Taka, everybody should be gebenched with everything that they need. And, uh, you know, Chaim just mentioned, uh, unfortunately, a very, very tragic episode that happened today about uh, two fellow Yidin who, unfortunately, their plane is missing. And, uh, you know, certainly we we hope for the best. So Chaim was saying. And, uh, you know, we daven that uh, everybody, us, and all of Klal Yisrael should be protected. Hashem should provide us with His Shmira. Wherever we go, we should always be protected. Not only here, but Surah's Tevis. We're up to Parshas of Eira. I also want to mention a uh, special welcome to my son Dovi, who's here on Off Shabbos. And thank you anybody who's listening on the podcast. So we are up to Parshas of Eira, in which we speak about the tyrant, talks about the beginning, really, or the. Uh, the final stages of the Gula from Mitzrayim, where Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron, they performed the ten makas in Mitzrayim. And in this week's parasha, we read about the first seven. And of course, we know that, as we said last week, that everything that happened in Mitzrayim is really a symbol for the life of a Yid in every generation. Paroi, as we said from the Rambam, is the Eight Sahara. And we have to learn about how to act. Not being influenced by Paroi, but rather trying to free ourselves from the yoke of slavery and the yoke of the Sahara by studying everything that's happening in these Parshias. The second Makkah of the ten Makkahs was Makkah Tzfardeya. And the Pesach tells us, how did it start? Vatala Tzfardeya. This frog came out of the uh, of the Nile, and that's how it started. And Rashi points out the Lashon Tzfardeya is singular. Why? Because really, it was one Tzfardeya that started it all. A big giant frog came out of the river, and what happened was the Mitzrim they saw it, and they started hitting it. And each time they would hit it. So a whole stream of smaller frogs came out of its mouth. And before you knew it, the whole country was filled with frogs. Is that one of the other? Or it's, like, or, or, well, it's, or it's a drush in Chazal. You know, probably, it's probably a medrash. Uh, <coughs> that's how Rashi explains the postuk of Atal Atzfardeya. So, the obvious question is, you know, if you're a Mitzri, you're an Egyptian, and you're seeing what's happening, uh, you see what's happening, that the more you're hitting it, the more frogs are coming out. And why do you just stop? It's for your own benefit to stop hitting it. So that's an interesting question. And the stipler asked this question in his safer on the Torah, Birkas Peretz, and he says, that this really shows us the uh, terrible influence, the terrible results of someone being in chaos and anger. That a person really loses control of 
his rationality, and he acts in a way that's detriment, not just for others, but for himself as well. That's what was happening over here. You know, they they got so mad from this massive frog that they just hit it again and again without thinking about the results of what they were doing. And that's what happens to someone who's in anger. He's in chaos. He loses himself. And he doesn't have control of his actions anymore. And this in particular, this midah of chaos, is something which... We find in the Sfar Makdashim and in Chazal as well, and even in the Torah, that this is something that every single person has to really try to focus on in his life. We know, of course, Derech Eretz Kadmol all the Midas we have to work on, whether it's Gaiva, whether it's Taiva, which we spoke about last week, Kavid, Atzlash, there's so many things that uh, every, every single person you know, uh, was ingrained with <laughs> by just being a human being. You know, so many... Midas that a person has to work on in his lifetime. And as well known, Abisal Salanta used to say, it's easier to finish all of Shaz than it is to overcome one single Midah. But nonetheless, some Midas are even more important than others to work on. So the Rambam, what's that? A habit. Yeah, yeah, any kind of bad habit, yeah. And the Rambam, when discussing this particular Midah of Kaz, says like this. Even though normally the proper way for a person to act is to go the middle path. You don't want to go to any to extreme one way or another. But there are certain things that a person has to completely stay away from. Completely. One is Gaiva and then When it comes to Kaz, go to the other extreme. Even if sometimes you know, your reason for being angry is a valid one, <clears throat> train yourself, even in such situations, not to get angry. And he continues, you know, a person has to discipline his family, his kids, so even though that's important, and sometimes in order to discipline you have to be angry, he says what you should do in such scenarios is pretend to be angry. Put on an angry face. So in other words, uh, you know, there'll be a certain element of, of fear, and your kids are going to listen to you more. But really, that's only klapichutz. As far as yourself is concerned inside, no. Your mind should be settled. You're acting it out. And he quotes from Chazal, And another Chazal, <coughs> someone is angry and he's an angry type of person he doesn't have a good life and Mela says the Rambam try to stay away from it to the extreme the Ramban the famous Egeris Ramban also starts off right away talking about the Midah of Kas and he says a person should always try to talk with a certain level of Nachas you know be calm Always. The kas is something which causes people to be chayte. You know, you go to the, uh, you know, we should never know from such a thing, the cancer ward, so there's all kinds of horrible treatments that a person has to go through if he's sick. 
There's radiation, there's chemotherapy. Terrible, terrible treatments. Say Chazal, call me Negehenim Shelton boy. All kinds of horrible treatments you're going to get if you're a Kaisan. You don't want to go. You don't want to go in that direction, because Rachman al-Islam, the results are going to be very, very frightening. Even in the world to come, the Rebbeinu Shalaylam is going to put the person through the ringer, so to speak. And as the Rambam says, we find this in the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu himself, he gets angry, and right away he forgets the halachas that he was supposed to know. I don't want to go into detail, but there's a few examples in the Torah. For example. Uh, one example is in Parshas Matos when Klal Yisrael comes back from the Melchama with Midian and Moshe Rabbeinu as the Ptosuk says right away, right afterwards who gave over the Alachas of Tevila? it wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu because he forgot it it was Elazar HaKoyen who gave it over why? because he was angry even though he had a valid reason to be angry nonetheless a person is going to lose his Chachma if he finds himself in Kas. So really it's Kidai to study this a little bit, to get a better understanding of what it is, what anger is, and what can a person do to learn to overcome it? Practical methods. So the uh, psychology books tell us that physically speaking, a person gets angry, so there's a physical change in his body. His heart starts to race at a, at a quicker pace, his blood pressure goes up, and there's a certain hormone called adrenaline, which sometimes is necessary, for example, when it's a danger, but when a person is angry, so the adrenaline all of a sudden also, he gets that adrenaline rush. And in this case, it's for a bad thing. Because when you have that adrenaline rush, you, you get this energy, amount of energy, that can cause you to really to uh, end up in places you don't want to be it physically, right, and lose control of yourself. And, you know, Rabbi Miller tells over a story, a very sad story, about one of his mispalim, who, uh, he, uh, one day he dropped dead. And he said, Rabbi Miller says, you know, he says, everybody said, you know, he had a heart attack. But he says, but I know really what happened. He said, right before he died, he had an argument with his wife. Now, this is a physical thing. It's a physical thing that a person's heart rate goes up, and you're really uh, putting yourself Strange. in a dangerous situation. Physically. So that's the first thing we have to realize. At the same time, though, as we see clearly here, every single person has a susceptibility to cost. It's not, it's, not, it's not something that anybody's immune from. And this too, you know, different people have different traits and different tendencies in how they react. For example, Chazal tells Kohanim Zrizimim. The Kohanim, because of their... Um, nature that you know they're always um you know a little bit i guess tense or intense because of the uh avoid that they have to do so that causes their nature to be one in which they're quick to anger also and it's a it's a mitzvah it's a fact it's a biological factor and certain people we see them you know we see certain people you know they have a short fuse you know something ticks them off even if it's not such a big thing they lose it we've all experienced people instances like that and, you know, whether it's a biological thing, a chemical thing. So, for some people, it's harder to control than others. 
But really, also, besides a biological thing, this is also a, something, a cultural thing, that people are affected by their environment. You know, if you live here in New York City, which we all do, in Brooklyn, so the nature of people over here is that they're impatient. They're impatient, and people get angry very fast. We've all seen it, we've all experienced it, and, and for most of us, probably, we've also, ourselves, uh, unfortunately, fell into that trap as well. There's a uh, well-known uh, Rav in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. <coughs> His name is Ephraim Goldberg. He's the Rav of the Boca Raton Shul, a very big shul over there. And he wrote a letter, like an open letter to the community in advance of Yeshiva Week, which is next week. Really, it's and he says really it's yeshiva weeks because different parts of the country and different 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 mitzvahs they have different weeks. So really, it started this week over there and it's gonna gonna go on for the next two weeks at least. So he says here's a letter that he writes. And, you know, first he writes to his uh, to his uh, congregants over there in Boca Raton. He says, you know, let's welcome everybody and, and be appreciative that we you know we're getting so much people and you know it's it's uh, we have to be friendly to them. But then he writes to the people that are coming to visit. If you don't mind, here are a few reminders that may be helpful during your visit. Unlike the Beis Amigdash, our restaurants don't expand based on the pilgrimage of Jews. We know the Beis Amigdash, right? <laughs> but not over there. Our proprietors and their staff are doing the best they can. Please be patient, understanding, and courteous. Okay? He continues. Uh, all right, he talks about observing the parking rules and don't bubble park and, and things like that. Uh, and then he, he says a very interesting sentence. In South Florida, life moves at a, at a slower pace, a little slower and more relaxed pace. If the light turns green and the person in front of you doesn't step on the gas within a millisecond, be patient. Take a deep breath. Take in the palm trees and enjoy being on vacation. Okay? If you encounter a line, see it as an opportunity to spend time with others in your group or to read, learn or listen to a shir. Talk to the person in front of you or behind you. They are as eager as you to get out to the front. All right, then it says a funny thing. When you shop at the store, only go to the checkout line when you have completed your shopping. Leaving your card in line while you run back and forth to fill it and using it as a placeholder is discourteous and it's not our definition of online shopping. Anyway, a cute sentence. But the point is that, you know, here in New York and in the Northeast in general, we're trained that everything has to go our way. It has to go very quickly. And if not, we lose it. We see it every single day. You know, people sometimes, you know, they, they park in the middle of the, you know, they, they double park. You ever had that experience? Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, but sometimes, you know, you're the person who's, uh, you know, whatever. You're either double park, but you still, you make sure to leave space. So people could drive by. So a lot of people, a lot of times people, they honk, you know, when they come, when they approach. Even though there's obviously room. <coughs> and then as they drive by, what do they do? They give you a glare. It's like, it's like a, uh, it's like a ritual. You have to look at the person. Who's sitting in the car and like give him a dirty look? Why? I don't know. You know, I try when I do it. You know, when I'm passing through such a car, I just move on. I'm saying, what's there's a missile to look at the person and give him a dirty look? I don't know. I don't think so. But the point is that we're influenced by our environment. So what are we gonna do? You know, it's like so. So the anger is there. It's a natural tendency, and the outside influences, whether it's biological or whether it's cultural. They're there pushing us to get angry. What can you do? So there's one thing we can say you shouldn't do. And that is don't swallow your anger and pretend that nothing happened. Why is that? 
Sometimes a person says, you know what, I'm going to deal with it inside. I'm not going to do anything. Because there's something called being passive-aggressive. That is, someone says a not nice comment to you, or they're not nice to you at work, or at, or at home, or whatever it is, and you decide to look the other way. Now, if it's coming from a place of, of goodness, because you're a good person, it's a great thing. And we'll speak about that. But sometimes a person is too scared to speak up. So what ends up happening is he's burying everything inside. And instead of reacting to it in a healthy way, he ends up becoming passive-aggressive. In other words, he's not going to tell the person, you know, I really, really don't appreciate what you just did or what you said. Instead, he's not going to talk to the person at all. So if it's your spouse who says something to you, so you're going to wake up the next morning without speaking to them. That's not a normal way of communication. That's not a normal way of having a relationship. That's called being passive-aggressive. And people who are passive-aggressive, their life is not a life either. Because they end up being angry at the entire world. And you, see, you meet some people like that. Always angry, always bitter. And it's not a good thing. It's not a healthy way to engage. Instead, what the psychologies, uh, psychology books all say is if you can, try to be assertive. Assertive means knowing and allowing your emotions to be expressed, but in a healthy way. In other words, if someone's not nice to you, so you can speak to them. Not in an angry way, not by screaming, not by putting them down. But expressing yourself, you say, you know, I really don't appreciate when you do this. You know, it's really bothersome. And if it's done in a, in a natural way, in a nice way, then it opens, up the, uh, it opens up for dialogue. And you can have a communication with the other person. And they're going to respect it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not called being angry. That's called being, having a healthy relationship. And, and it's very important in any relationship that you're in, whether it's with your chavrusas, whether it's with your, uh, you know, your co-workers, certainly with your spouse, Express yourself in a nice way. You know, say, you know, I don't appreciate when you do this. It bothers me. You know what I mean? And, and, and here too, you know, of course, when it comes to Shalom Bais, you know, I know that a lot of Swarms say, a lot of people say, don't, no, there's no criticizing at all. And that's legitimate too. However, even that, you know, when done in the proper way, it could be open up the room for dialogue. And usually in a healthy relationship, people are going are gonna to accept it and they're going to respect it. The problem is, though, that that, too, is not always practical. Because you can't, uh, you can't be uh, assertive with your boss. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be assertive with your Rav. So what are you going to do? So the Bali Musa say a very, very good Eitzah. And that is, you know, we know that anger is an emotion. And like any emotion, it comes and it goes. So if a person is able to find a way to distract himself for a little bit, What's going to happen is the anger eventually is going to go away. And I don't I forgot who it was. A certain Balmusser, he used to have a special coat. It was the anger coat. That anytime he would feel anger coming in at someone, he would put on that coat. And what he would say is, by the time I finish buttoning it, you know, closing all the buttons, then, you know, that initial feeling of anger, you know, the burst of anger that you felt is already gone. Dissipates. Yeah, it dissipates. And also, the re- relaxation techniques that are out there, you know, you could do deep breathing, which really, really works in calming down a person's emotions. And, you know, it, it fills the, when, when we do deep breathing, so it fills the brain with relaxing hormones, which will counterbalance that adrenaline that's there that's causing you that push of anger and to be stressed. The breathing actually is going to counter it, and it's going to bring your blood pressure back down to normal, your heart level back to normal. And being that anger is a physiological thing, so you're going to feel less angry automatically. And it's a very, very good thing to do. It takes practice. I'm not 
claiming to be an expert on this at all, but it does work, and that's a Metzius. Gidaida mentioned also that, you know, today, nowadays, with media being so accessible to everybody, and, you know, we get up-to-date news all the time, um, you know, while it's important to know what's happening, and, you know, especially if it's something that's happening in our community, we should be aware of it, but we don't have to be overly involved with the news because a lot of times that ends up really causing a person's blood pressure to boil. Aval Yashiv Zetzal, who was the Paisek Ador, and he was the authority in Eretz Yisrael for many years on everything having to do with the uh, from politics, he was the final word. So he used to say, Ad Halev, even though he dealt with really all the issues, all the major issues facing the firm community, he had this ability to keep things at bay. Talk about it, be involved with it, give guidance to those who are in the political scene and they're the ones who make the decisions. But at the same time, don't let it get into your heart. And it's not so easy you know, for us regular people. So that's why many say, try to, you know, if you could... <laughs> You know, trying to stay away, there's really no mitzvah to check the news every hour. You know, and if you read the news once a day, or once every other day, it's fine. I know people, their only source of the news is the newspapers that they get for Shabbos. You know, if you're able to do that, I think that's a remarkable thing. One thing is for sure, you're going to be a much more calm person. Right, and and like Chaim said, you know, it's very interesting, you know. (laughs) If your phone was ever broken, you you know, you don't have access to a computer, you know, you're whatever, you know, you're in the country or whatever. And then a few days later, you know, you open up the, uh, the news, you know, you realize something very interesting. The world continues even without you knowing about it. Fascinating. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, you know, it's definitely a good etza to do. Sometimes, it's really, you know, we mentioned physical components. On the contrary, it's liberating. It's for sure liberating, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sometimes there's physical reasons that a person gets angry. For example, a person's tired. You know, when you're tired, you're automatically more irritable, and that's a fact. So, if a person finds himself getting into a potential conflict when he's tired, best thing is, you know, what you can do: go take a nap. Don't uh, don't turn this into a whole tarahum. Instead, go to sleep, and you'll see in the morning, it's not going to be an issue at all. It's funny, you know, there are those that say, or they used to say, never go to sleep when you and your spouse are angry at each other. But according to this, actually, that's a very bad piece of advice. Because a lot of times, the whole reason that you're fighting is because you're both tired. Go to sleep, and in the morning, you'll see, it's not going to be a concern at all. Another thing is, you know, like we all were before we came to this year, hungry. A person's hungry, especially if it's us guys. When we're hungry, you know, we're a little bit like... I hate to say it, wild animals, you know what I mean? And that's, again, it's a fact of life, you know what I mean? It's not something that, that's, that's negative, it's just a mitzvah. So sometimes we should pay attention to our body, and if we're feeling hungry, calm down, make sure you eat something, fill yourself up, and then you'll deal with it. And a lot of times you'll see that really by then, after you eat, these things don't bother you at all. Raziel Talbot, that's all, he was for many years a, a traveling businessman, and he noticed that he would often come home at night, you know, after a full day in business, and he was irritable. And it bothered him. Until, finally, he realized what's happening. He walks into the house, and he's hungry. Now, when you're hungry, and walk, it's, not a, it's not a good formula. Walking into the house, tired, 
and hungry at night. It's never a good thing. So he made the calculation and the decision that what he should do is every night before he walks into the house, he should have some food ready in the car already. In other words, leave over from whatever lunch he packed or whatever it is. Pack yourself something to eat, something to drink. You walk into the house at night, you know you're not hungry so much, and now you're not going to be irritable with your wife, with your kids. And that's really, really a very good Aitza to do. If you're hungry, though, that is probably likely the reason that you're angry. And finally, when we can't think about any of those Aitzas, you know, the, the physical Aitzas, so we can start working on being calm in reality inside. One thing is understanding that uh, when a person gets angry, really, the one who <clears throat> suffers the most is you yourself. Because you're the one that you're walking around with that emotional pain. And it's very, very, I mean, you know, we've all experienced it, unfortunately. It's a very, very bad feeling. It's not a good feeling. So why in the world do we want to give ourselves that feeling? Make ourselves feel bad just so we can prove that we're right. It's not worth the price. Definitely not worth the price. We end up suffering the most from it. And at times, people lose it, and they end up embarrassing themselves in public. And then what are you going to do? You're not going to leave your house again ever for life? I was in shul a week ago. Right here by the Aguda on a Sunday morning. The guy's dabbling for the Yomad. And he was going fast. Anyway, there was a Chiv. So after Chazar Sashatz, the Chiv took over and this guy went back to his seat. A fellow comes over to him and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs. You were too fast! What kind of a davening is this? I'm making a mechor! Mamish at the top of his lungs. I'm not exaggerating. And it was like such an embarrassment. Like, you know, you don't know what to do. You feel, I, I, you feel bad definitely for the person that, that he's screaming at. And people went over to this guy. The guy didn't react. They, said over, they went over to him afterwards. They said, you know, you can give us brachas now. Because mm-hmm. of, you know, but the point is that this guy, you made a total fool of yourself. You know I mean? How are you going to show up in the shul tomorrow? So it's kidai to remind ourselves when we have that urge and that adrenaline and that feeling, you know, of, of our heart racing and all that, you know, if we lose it, the ones who are going to suffer the most is going to be us ourselves. And Mela, it's Kidai to try to our best of our ability. Try to control yourself and do whatever, whatever you can. We spoke about some Aitzis. Calm yourself down. And if you can't, just walk outside because by the time you come back in, those feelings are going to be gone. And you're not going to have to deal with that embarrassment that's going to be there for life. For life. Welcome, David. It's not too late. There's a, uh, a well-known shatchan. His name is Tzedek, Tzedek Katz. He lives in Lakewood. And he wrote an article, you know, I guess in his role as shatchanim. So he also deals with people who are divorced. And he says a lot of times people come to him and they have divorce remorse. No, they regret that they got divorced. A lot of times shaduchim marriages can be saved. If both parties are willing and able to sit down, like mention, and you know, discuss things together, you know, Baruch Hashem, today there's therapy that's available, and, and many times it's very helpful to, to save a marriage. When you let calmer heads prevail, when cooler heads can prevail, then a lot of good things can happen. And he says, you know, it's kidai to do that. Don't, 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 uh, you know, don't, uh, don't ask to, to get out after your first fight. You know, or even after your second fight or your third, it's not kidai. It's not kidai. We have to hold on. You know, what I mean, I remember. You know, 
Let cooler and calmer heads prevail. And then everything's going to work out just fine, as he says he's seen many, many times. And finally, as far as all tell us, we have to remind ourselves one important thing. Someone said something to you, or did something to you, he's just the shalich of the Rebbeinah Shalevim. It's coming from Hashem. And if we're able to mechazek ourselves in our emunah, that everything ultimately is from Shemayim, then that's going to help us also look at things in the proper way. David HaMelech, when he's running away from his son Avshalom, he's on the run. And he's at a certain place, and a man named Shimi ben Geira comes down. Shimi ben Geira was from the Mishpach of Shaul HaMelech. And he starts cursing him out with terrible, terrible words. And David is the king of, of, of Klal Yisrael. You curse the king, you're high of Misa. And David's people, they wanted to kill him. And he says, no, don't. Hashem Amaloi Kaleu. They must have told him to say this. It's not him. He's just the Shaliach. And if we can internalize this even a little bit, we're going to save ourselves, save ourselves a lot of aggravation. A lot of aggravation. That's why the Baal says, we said before, because you're angry at something that happened to you, or you're angry at something that someone did to you or said to you, without remembering that this is from the Rebbeinah Shalom. So let's, if you're able to internalize it, then you're going to control, you'll be able to control your anger. And life is going to be much happier. So, just to summarize, Kas is one of those midas that every single person has to do his best to stay away from to the extreme, as the Rambam says. And as the Ramban says, you're going to have a much better life if you're able to control your kas. We mentioned that it's not good to suppress it, but better to express it in a calm way if we could. And if, not, if it's not possible, try to find ways to stay away from it. For example, breathing exercises, or generally, by the way, exercise in general is always very good to calm down your emotions. Also, sometimes a person has other physical reasons, that he's tired or he's hungry, so work on that first, and before you, you know, you, you make a whole scene, and remember that the one who's going to lose the most is you yourself. So I'm going to with a beautiful story. In 1986, so there was a launch of a, NASA was going to launch a rocket, uh, I think to the moon, or maybe to outer space, and President Reagan, who was the president at the time, he announced that in addition to the astronauts who are going to be in it, there's also going to be one school teacher that's going to be chosen from entire America to represent all the teachers and all the children in the country. Wow, amazing. 11,000 teachers applied. Among these 11,000 was a from teacher in Baltimore in a day school. Her name was Mrs. Kornbluth. Excellent teacher. She spoke to Rabbanim and they told her, you know, you're allowed to do it and you can make a Kiddush Hashem. She applied. And after whatever vetting... Uh, process they made, they chose the person, it was not her. It was someone else, a lady named something Mikolov. Alright, everybody's getting ready for the big launch, and this was a massive, massive event. The entire America was watching it. Millions upon millions of people, live. And as we know what happened, the Challenger, it's about a minute into the launching, at 40,000 feet, the spaceship explodes. Really, really devastating. Imagine how traumatic it was. Those that us that remember it, and especially something that you know the kids, you know, because they were looking at this teacher who represented them, it was supposed to be a big thing for them. Devastating. The next day, now you can imagine if if you if any of those ten thousand nine hundred ninety nine teachers who were not chosen, <coughs> how they felt the next day. You know, on the one hand, a sense of tremendous relief. <laughs> thank you, but well, thank God I wasn't chosen. But also, you know, you feel bad for your fellow teacher who perished like that. 
Mrs. Kornblut come, comes back to school the next day. And, you know, as you can imagine, she's frazzled. You know, if it's such an experience, this could have been me. And a student comes over to her. She's a fourth grade teacher. And he says, Mrs. Kornblut, I want to tell you something. I wish that you were on that plane. I wish that you were chosen to be the representative. She's like, what? She's looking at me, you know, like about to explode on him. But she held herself back. And she said in a calm way, even though inside she was boiling, why do you say that? And you know what this little boy said? He says, because you're such a special person that if you would have been on that shuttle, Hashem would have not let it explode. Imagine. We're able to just give it a little thought and remain calm. You never know what the outcome is going to be. Taka the Taka help us that we should live a calm life, a happy life, and stay away from the Midav Kas. Oh,